Hello, and welcome to today's issue of Chapter by Chapter for Eye of the World. I am your host, as always, Will Cowan, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steve Haynes. Steve Haynes, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Hopefully my voice isn't as raspy as it was in a couple of episodes, but we're getting through it. I got a beer with me now, so things are going to get weird. Beer on a Wednesday. Things are going to get weird, let me tell you. Yes. Uh, Today, uh, we're diving into chapter 13, Choices. And uh, this is... It's... (laughs) it's kind of an ominous. I, I don't even know what the choice, the choice is in this, uh, in this choices. chapter. Choices. Are you listening to the audiobook? Um, I am for some chapters. Uh, did you um, listen to it for that for uh, this book uh, chapter? No, no. Because that's kind of exactly how the narrator says it. He says it very dramatically like that. Choices. Well, the choices are dramatic. Well. What are the choices? Well, let's get into it. Let's. So, let's. Uh, so following the conversation that Moraine and Egwene had in the last chapter where uh, Egwene basically is ready. She's, she's, got the pow- she's got the touch. She can touch Moraine the power. Moraine told her that she is incredibly gifted with the one power. It's inherently in her, born with it. She might one day become the queen of all the wizards. Yeah, uh, the she will rise to the Amarillan seat, which is pretty high praise. Uh, but we don't—we honestly don't know anything about Moraine right now. So, like, we know what the Amarillan seat is because we looked it up we in the, the glossary. glossary. But as far as these p- kids know, could be a toilet. <laughs> it could be a toilet. <laughs> I mean, the, maybe the glossary is uh is lying to us. It's just like it's going to be a ruse over our eyes, and and by the time we get to it in book five, it's like. It's an outhouse. There's the Amarillan seat. Dipshit. That'd, that'd be a good twist. <laughs> that'd be probably really awesome. Um, so picking up after that conversation, they wake up uh, the following morning, and Moraine does her healing thing, but not with the horses this time, with all of them. This to time give it's them a party of, refresh. Yeah, it's a party refresh. Giving them, uh, like Land says, it's an extra night's sleep, something like that. Um, it's like a five hour energy. Yeah, it's exactly. Like five, five hour energies. Yeah. And just like, un, just like injected into you. Just, there you go. Ready to rock. So this chapter kind of takes place over a couple of days. It's not actually like in the last few chapters where everything's kind of happened at the same time. Like the, the last few chapters have been kind of like, like 20 minutes, like, like short spans. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's all taking place in relatively same time frame, and if it switches to another day or something like that, you're kind of following up on that day. Like it, uh, it the chapter closes with them going to sleep, and the next chapter is them waking up. That sort of thing, you know. Like it follows very closely. But this chapter is the first chapter that's kind of stretching that a little bit more, which I you would have to at some point because if you explain it, not everything can be explained and can be an event. Like you can't explain every single foot step that they take to Barrelon. Mm-hmm. So over the course of these few days, uh, the Gleeman tells some cool stories. Gets there. It plays some loot. He gets, he, yep, he, ro- he, he ro- rolls teams. some good loots. And then uh, Lan also kind of teaches them a little bit more about fighting, you know, like uh, 
Yeah, he teaches them how to use their weapons uh, to yeah. be a little bit more proficient with each of them. They're all good with a bow, it turns out. Yeah, because Rand is kind of like, I think there's a part in the book where, uh, or a part in this chapter where they're explaining how Rand is able to like hit a target and like in the same spot over and over and over again. They're yeah. Like, hmm. Yeah, they all hmm. do pretty good with the with the bows, even though like Matt is the one who kind of has the bow as his weapon. Yeah. And then Perrin has the axe and uh and Rand has the sword. Yep. And uh meanwhile while that's happening, Egwene is take kind of uh studying under Moraine Moraine's uh wing for I said I stuff. And that kind of all kind of culminates in this uh conversation that Moraine or uh, not Moraine, Egwene and Rand have. So Yeah. Which sort of begins with her uh, taking her braids out of her hair. Yeah. So, and Rand for- watching and asking, "What's going? Why are you doing that?" And she's yeah. like, "I'm as I'm a nice to die now. I don't know if you've heard, but they don't wear their hair like this. I'm a big deal. I I've been yeah. telling you guys since we started this whole trip. I'm a big deal. It's a big um, deal now. You can tell by my hair. Isn't isn't braiding kind of a like it's a it's a traditional thing in the two rivers, like to braid your hair. Yeah, like they have to, right? Yeah, or like it's girls like a, have to have braids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like a cultural thing. So like the and fact she that she says that like the I said I can braid their hair, but it's it would be a choice. Yeah, exactly. And so she's unbraiding her hair, and Rand's like, "Oh, what are you doing there?" Yeah, and that and that are like. When Egwene says that she's an Aes Sedai, Rand kind of goes like, no, you're not. Well, you got to remember, too, that the Aes Sedai are not viewed very positively by most people. That's true. Yeah. So, so I, it's when your probably, friends tells you that, you know, you are going to say, no, you're not. Yeah, because you, you want you. Yeah, you want to protect your friend or however, however you want to see that, because, like, you know, that's your friend. You don't want them to be like looked at as like uh a weirdo or uh well and, it, and cast it's out by like society. he's known her so why he doesn't you know it doesn't make it doesn't make sense that she would just now be an Aes Sedai but I get it from her point of view yeah, cause she's like cause she's like what are you talking about what are you talking about um but it's kind of it's kind of um it's interesting kind of this dynamic because there's another point in this chapter where um the the boys i'm gonna just go with the boys they're talking about like why don't like it looks like we've we've lost the trollocs like we're not being pursued anymore why don't we go to camelin let's go to uh Ilion. let's go to these other cities let's go to all these places that you know we've only heard about and uh specifically matt says like let's go to camelin or like something like that because there's less ice to die there and uh moraine shows up right behind them she's like how dare you? <laughs> She's like, what did you say? You said I said I? The fuck you just say? Listen here, boy. And th- this is a big, this is a, g- this is a good point for her. Kind of like it shows her kind of intentions a little bit. Where mm-hmm. she's like, have you guys all forgot Winter Night, the attack, the Trolloc attack? Have you all forgotten about that? Like, we're, th- we're here for a purpose right now. And you guys are kind of treating this as like a game. You know? Oh, and, th- and you're also kind of like, bitching and complaining about being tired and yada, yada, yada. And like, get over it. 
Yeah, don't you realize that they are hunting us? I They're mean, hunting this shit us. Is real. And she says a line here that uh, really reveals her kind of intention. She's like, "Trust me when I." I don't know the exact line. She's like, "Trust me when I say though, if if there's a chance that the Trollocs were going to get you, I would destroy you before they would." So it's like, which I guess is reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, depends on who you're talking to, really. But yeah, that she's like, she. It shows that she's so committed to this mission or whatever they're doing that she's willing to sacrifice these people because they're they they must be a key to this battle. Well, yeah, it it still does seem there's things she knows that she's not Mm -hmm. letting on. And, uh, but yeah, just, you know, she knows bottom line is she knows the dark one is after them. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, a little bit back to the Egwene, uh, Moraine, and Egwene. Sort of re- Egwene, Moraine, Egwene. This is, this part, th- those specific names are going to be hard for me to, <laughs> I know. And they're always, they're always doing things with each other. Yeah. But Egwene and Moraine are going away. Basically they're they're having lots of talks. They're they're kind of st- she study Egwene is studying under Moraine and there's this uh, conversation they have and this is kind of leading to an addendum that I have to uh, addendum 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 that I have to make right now because I believe I talked about it in the last chapter, this last episode was the conversation that Egwene and Moraine had about the the kind of the gender the duality of the one source. That conversation didn't happen in that that last chapter. It happens in this chapter. And it gets into a, a little bit more about like the types of powers that people you can draw on and uh, whether females can draw on that power or males can draw on that power. And uh, they start talking about the five different, the five elements or the five, the five powers, the five powers, which is earth, wind and fire. Yeah, but not the band. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> it might be the band. It might be the band. Do you remember? That would be great when they're fighting, and then uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire just rises out of the ground and just starts playing funk, and everybody starts dancing unwillingly. <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, the five, those five powers, and that men can kind of draw on those power, like powers like fire and earth, while women draw on powers of like water and spirit. So like. There's you can kind of like guess which ones are women powers and uh, male powers, um, kind of sexist. But at the same time, Moraine makes a point that like, like Egwene's like, why does the men get all the powerful powers? Because like fire is powerful and earth is powerful. Why do they get that? We don't. And Egwene's like, or Moraine's like, well, if you think about it, how is there no stone that can be worn down by water? Give it enough time. Is there no flame that water can't extinguish? So, really, who has the stronger power here? That's right. Who's got it? Who's got that strong power? Um, Yeah, so as she's telling this and explaining the powers, and male and female, um, Egwene is concerned whether or not, you know, if all female Aes Sedai are evil. Um, or yeah. If, or if the men were all evil, um, the, 
it's a whole thing. The men have sort of become evil. Yeah, they're not. She Moraine kind of says like they're not evil per se. They're driven insane by the by the taint of the of the one power that they draw on the the male version of the one power that they draw on. And yes. uh, let me let me tell you, Steve. If I had to touch a taint, I'd go insane. <laughs> they are. T- they're. They're. Yeah. They're touching that taint. <laughs> Nobody uh, touching that taint. And it does drive him insane. I didn't ask for that taint. Um, and that pretty much, that leads up to them kind of what getting, they, they kind of rise up over a mountain or a hill and they see bear lot for the first time. And they couldn't believe they, they've ne- none of these kids have ever seen a city before. And they're all just like, Whoa. And this There's is like, like a city. This like, is a city. Yeah. There's no thatched roofs. Nothing like Emmons field or anything they've seen. Yeah. No thatch roofs. There's stone everywhere. Uh, there's people going in and out, yada, yada, yada. And they're, so they go back down to, they go down to the uh, front gate and they start talking to the gatekeeper. I believe his name is Avin. Avin? Yeah, Avin. Uh, and they're like, hello. And uh, so, Avin posts his head around the corner. Sorry, go ahead. So did you mention that also, like upon arriving here, they Moraine tells them that they uh they go by different names here. Yeah, that's well. what I was gonna get to is um they start talking to them. I does she yeah, because they she has a conversation with the rest of the group, uh going yeah. like here She tells them she's like, All right, this is big this is a big city. Yeah. You guys gotta keep a low profile, play cool. Oh yeah. Yep. They uh they also we have different names here. Uh, what are their names? Do you have the, do you have their names? Yeah. That's mistress Alice for Moraine and then, uh, master Andra for land land. And, uh, they're like, yeah, you got to keep to these names nobody should know that we're here. Uh, and nobody should know that I'm eyes. I said, I, they go down to the front gate and they start talking to Avin who's, uh, who's met them before. They've obviously passed, passed through the city before. And there's, he's like super grateful to them they're just like he's just like hey hello how's it going and they give him more money so they can come in and he's like no 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 you don't have to pay more you've already given me enough so the guy already loves him and they start grilling him on like kind of the 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 talk of the town what's what's the news going around right now mm-hmm. and he's like well first of all the the children of light are here and uh they're kind of causing a ruckus and We'll get we'll we'll touch on a little bit of what the children of light are, but they're not good news. That's what is what not good news. Well, we yeah we'll touch on the children of light next episode. Yeah. Um. And so did we want to did we want to mention the breaking of the world in this episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Wonder if we should save that for the end. I'm gonna cut the, all this part out. Cut this and put it at the end. Okay. Uh, so they start. So as they're talking to him, and they he also mentions that he he heard about a battle in Giladon, and that the uh, the the dragon reborn has has won a battle there, and uh, it, it sounds like he's on his way down to uh, Tyr. I think it's a town called Tyr or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom the Gleeman, he mentions like he he's like, is this the Carithian cycle? And he tells Rand about this old legend about 
how the how the dragon proves it to the world that he's the dragon or she's the dragon. It's when they go to the city called Tyr, the dragon has to destroy this very specific stone that's on Tyr. And Tyr is like the city in the south of the map, I think somewhere. And they're making their way there. So I think we're just getting a little bit of a an overview of what his campaign, the this dragon's campaign is is looking like. It looks like they're <laughs> on their way down to Tyr. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then they come, uh, they go in, they, they thank the guy, they go in and they find the nearest inn and, uh, they're mat they're welcomed in by a guy named Master Fitch. And, Good old Master Fitch. And that wraps up this chapter. I mean, it's a slow chapter. It's one of these talking chapters. Yeah. Like I said, like, this is probably one of the first chapters that it's, co- it's covering, a couple of days, you know? Mm-hmm. So these chapters <clears throat> kind of have to happen, but we, I think we learned a lot. Like this specific, the specific thing I think to take away from here is the tier thing. This, where this, uh, the dragon's campaign is kind of leading to. They don't, they just don't know exactly what the, the plan is for this dragon. They don't know what this dragon's goal is yet. Um, but he has an army and he's winning. So that could yeah. be good. That could not also be good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. another thing in this one too was, uh, Moraine. Moraine mentioned another, like Moraine mentioned another person who could channel. Like oh some- yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's while she's talking with, uh, Egwene, she's like, you're one of the two strongest that I felt in the two rivers or something like that. And yeah. Wayne's like, so is like, who's that other? And she starts naming off names and, uh, Moraine doesn't give a name. I don't think she does. Nope. Uh, she does not. So, which, uh, it makes me guess that she's going to play a part later. There's going to be another Aes Sedai coming from two I mean, rivers. 14 books. There definitely is going to be, I mean, there's gotta be, there's gotta be more <laughs> stuff. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up this chapter, uh, and we'll get back. Well, get- at the end of this chapter, um, they do show up at the stag and lion. Yes. Which sets us up for tomorrow's episode of chapter 14, the stag and the lion. The stag and lion! It's another one of those chapters where they show up at a thing, and then that thing is the name of the next chapter. Yeah, but now we get back into our regular schedule programming of like, like this is the thing, and now they go back, they go to sleep, and they go to this, and it just follows kind of like the the trail, the the action very very closely. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, that's the chapter that we'll be getting into tomorrow. Uh, right now, we should probably get take a look at what the breaking of the world is because the breaking of the world is a big event that kind of so solidifies the- this whole world, this whole universe in a way. Yeah, the breaking of the world is a very significant event, and it ties back to what we were saying earlier in this episode with Eguin asking about the male Aes Sedai and the female Aes Sedai and the corruption of power and who, who's evil and who's not. Yeah. So, is that, so without further ado, let's take a look at the old glossary. When Luz Theron Telamon and the Hundred Companies released the Dark One's prison. 
the counterstroke tainted cyadine. Eventually, every male Aes Sedai went horribly insane. In their madness, these men, who could wield the one power, to a degree now unknown, changed the face of the earth. They caused great quakes, leveled mountain ranges, raised new mountains, lifted dry land where seas had been, made the ocean rush and land in where dry land had been. Made the ocean rush in where dry land had been. Many parts of the world were completely depopulated, and the survivors were scattered like dust on the wind. This destruction is remembered in stories, legends, and history as the breaking of the world. That pretty much more that more or less covers this chapter for today. Um, and yeah, we'll be back in tomorrow with chapter 14, The Stag and Lion. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys tomorrow.